0: Abercrombie and Fitch documentary that just came out. Also, just like the resurgence of Y2K, you know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are engaged. Britney Spears is pregnant, and everybody on TikTok are wearing low rise jeans. So, clearly, there's a resurgence, and we're here to chat about it.
1: And we have our friend, our babe internet girly, Ashton. She also goes by, I need my roots done. That's it. Yeah, that's my new ad. My new ad. Okay. Here. Yes, so Ashton's here with us, she uh, loves Y2K fashion, she is a girl on the internet, and a fashion icon, quite honestly. Love, oh my god, stop.
0: <laughs> Hey bitches. <laughs> hey bitches, that's actually how we're going to start a retweet from now on. Yeah, hey guys, okay. it's Dina and Lydia, hey bitches.
1: Okay, well, send me a check. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's also a businesswoman. <laughs>
1: she is a businesswoman. Once we get a check, you'll get a cut. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I feel like the logical place to start is to start with the documentary. It's called White Hot. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. We've all seen it. So we can start there, I guess. It was mm. crazy.
0: <laughs> My
2: thoughts on
1: like, it. It was, it
0: was- crazy. It was nuts. I'm not going to lie. So we're all Gen Z. So, you know, we were around for Abercrombie, but not like the millennials. So we have like little memories of it, but it's not like it was such a big part as like wearing Abercrombie when you were 16. And watching the documentary, it like validated so many things that I like kind of thought, but because like clothing is so attached to how you feel or like context especially, like, social context, seeing the documentary, like, I almost forgot how, like, racist the, like, early 2000s were. Like, clearly I knew that. But watching the documentary, it almost, like, showed how racist even just, like, schools were and, like, how your social group could just make you feel so isolated. And, like, racism doesn't just exist, like, in an article. Like, now that I'm older, we read these articles, we watch these TikToks, we're like, oh, my God, that person's so racist. But your friends might be more politically aware Girl, when you're literally, like, four years old and all your little friends are, like, wearing Abercrombie and you're watching Hannah Montana, like, you don't register the mm-hmm, bias. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, so true.
1: And it was just, like, crazy how, like, again, like what you said, Lydia, like, a lot of the things that came up in the documentary were things that, like, we knew were happening in the fashion industry. But it was just, like, crazy to me that the CEO of Abercrombie was basically openly, like, we don't want the fatties wearing our clothes. Like, we don't want, like, non-white, like, the non-cool kids wearing our clothes. And he was, like, able to say that out, like, out loud, like, in the press. And it's, like, his company didn't, like, tank right after. You know what I mean? So it's, like, I feel like something like that were to happen today. Like, there would be, like, the public shame campaign. Like, they would get canceled. Like, you would see their stocks plummet, things like that. And it's, like, crazy that, like, I never, like, we never even heard that this, like, happened with Abercrombie.
2: I know like I remember I think it was a couple years ago now when like this all kind of started coming out a little bit online like I just remember because when I started watching the documentary I was like okay wait like when they were like naming the guy like what's his name like Mike Jeffries or whatever like showed his picture Mm -hmm. I was like this feels like slightly familiar and I was like okay I think it's because like one of these statements did get published like and they talked about that in the documentary but like was published online and didn't gain like that much traction but like it did like a little bit, and that's when he stepped down. And uh, so, I yeah. remember, like, I was like, Wait, like, I kind of remember seeing that online, but also, like, nothing ever really happened. But, like, I know he stepped down, but it was like, No one really went into it, and like, how deep that actually went. Like, I mean, obviously, because they're trying to, well, I was gonna say they're trying to hide it, but they really weren't. But, like, mm-hmm. so that was weird of like, How if that actually happened today, like, just like you said, you know, like, that would not fly today. Like, it's like, people would be like, immediately, No. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, I also think because I, it came out and it became demonized around – in the documentary, it said 2015-ish. I don't know if that's true because I've been reading articles that people have been saying they've been lying. But, like, 2015, yeah. who was even mentioning Abercrombie and Fitch? Like, you're going to yeah. demonize it when it's totally out of the picture, like – yeah. And that's the crazy part of the documentary is, like, it unlocks some memories because I just haven't thought about Abercrombie and Bitch, like, genuinely since I was so little. Right, and because I think they fell off. Like. Because they fell off, exactly. And so even if that comes out, like, who's going to share that on their social media? I can't believe Abercrombie yeah. could – Well, who shops there? Who yeah, the like heck it, shops it was not, there? Like,
2: it doesn't seem relevant because it's, like, no one's shopping there anyway, so what's the point? Like
0: Yeah, it's not like H&M doing, like – you know what was the monkey shirt it's like people shopping yeah H&M. right
2: but it's like abercrombie was in like in the whole like cycle of trends and like coming back and like resurgence of like brands and fashion like they were in like it wasn't their era like when that stuff was coming out like people already were like canceled them not because of like anything political but canceled them because they were like your clothes suck and they're not in style right now like
1: mm-hmm. boring <laughs> you know like it's really interesting like Whenever I'm on TikTok, I always see, like, fat creators doing, like, Abercrombie hauls, like, now. Because now they have a more, like, plus-size inclusive line. So, it's, like, it's interesting to see that they are now capitalizing on, like, the same people that they said, like, 10 years ago that they didn't want wearing their clothes.
2: Right. Like, it's so interesting because it's, like, okay, obviously, like, you would want to that like, a brand that's, like, doing all these things and saying all these things that are, like, terrible, like make a change like make a shift but mm-hmm. it's like when does it become like okay we're not trying to be inclusive like when does it become like something else right like
1: mm-hmm. and i guess like it's probably just tied to like that seat C- like it might be just tied to that ceo and the way that he wanted to market his company and wanted it to be like built on exclusivity basically um and i remember in the documentary they were saying that like for a brand that's built on exclusivity exclusion stopped being cool I would say like the early 2010s maybe like 2013 2012 is when the body positivity movement kind of started to take off and so Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of why we see the shift as well because previous to this like there was obviously conversations about body positivity and fat Uh, liberation and things like that but they weren't really in mainstream media and like mainstream culture but yeah like I think especially I think it's like that man specifically like I don't know like all all of his like ideals and things were really like ingrained into the culture of the company so even when they had they had like a VP of diversity and like literally nothing changed
2: yeah no, like and and then you could see too like they were like oh but like At the surface level like it looked like it changed because he was saying like these are the numbers when i like wasn't in this position this position didn't even exist and then here's the numbers when i'm leaving but it's like okay when they were like looking up like the scale of like not just like the store level workers like part-time workers but then like people actually running the company people like making the decisions like people doing design like whatever like all white right like
1: even how they had the difference of like uh people that got hired to be models and then yeah. people that got hired to literally just, like, stalk the back room. And it's, like, exactly. the people that yeah. were up front were still white people.
2: Yeah, and that's why, like, numbers literally can mean nothing. Like, it's, yeah. like, okay, you can show me a graph of, like, how this increased. But it's, like, walk into a store and, like, what does it look like? And you know what? It was crazy because I watched a documentary with my mom. And, like, um, I was, like, I literally paused it and, like, said to her because I was, like, I just recently saw a TikTok where someone who either used to work at Brandy Melville or, like, still works at Brandy Melville said like and it literally reminded me because they said that they hire like teenage girls like I'm talking like 14 like 15 like young end of like you know working part-time whatever um to just solely be models in the store like they're not there to like provide customer service they're not there to cash you out they're not there to like get you a fitting room like they're there to just stand there and look good in the clothes so that people want to buy the clothes and then not only that but they get paid more than the part-time workers that are actually like cashiers doing the fitting rooms Like, and so people were, like, this is so messed up. And I was, like, it's getting Abercrombie, like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Like, genuinely, like, even though Abercrombie is, like, a Y2K situation, like, that did – our version of Abercrombie truly was, like, Brandy Melville. Like, I remember being younger. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, obviously, it's marketed towards more women. And if you haven't watched a documentary, like, the documentary shows, like, a lot of, like – homoeroticism which is funny because back then I obviously wasn't like thinking about it because know, my same. friends like even I had friends who had like older sisters like not that much older like a year or two and they would have Abercrombie models like in their room just like the shirtless pics and like taking a photo with like the bag or like giving something so to your friend like a birthday gift per se with the Abercrombie bag and just knowing like it's in that bag with the guy that's totally shirtless and. The fact that we normalize, especially, like, for teenage boys to look like that is so insane. And I actually haven't seen the, like, marketing for men like that in a long time. Like, or I can't even think of a comparable. Like, we really just, like, the reason why girls from Abercrombie or girls shopped at Abercrombie from my knowledge was, like, those were the guys that were, like, hot and you wanted to, like, shop there to, like, basically be with those kinds of guys, these yeah. Abercrombie Fitch models. And then guys would shop there because they wanted to look like Abercrombie and Fitch models.
2: Right. Well, I literally remember like when, okay, so like always we would go to my grandparents' house for like Christmas time, holidays, whatever. And like, I was such a mall girl, like growing up. So I was like, we're going, I, I loved like Upper Canada Mall in Newmarket because it's like close to my grandparents' house. And they had, I don't think they had an Abercrombie. I want to say it was a Hollister, but like whatever, basically the same thing. And like on Boxing Day, they would always have like a shirtless teenage guy standing or like more than one, usually like standing outside the store in like red swim trunks, whatever, right? Because it's Christmas. Um, <laughs> and like you, people would like be lining up because it was Boxing Day. So it's like, you know, everyone's like at the mall, for like 20 whatever sales. And you would like line up and literally like take photos with these guys. And you would, and I'm just like, now that I think back, like, I'm like, what the hell was going on? Like, like, literally, what? Like, what is <laughs> like, I,
0: I know. We normalized know it. Yeah, even with, like, the SNL skit that they had uh, showed oh in the documentary. God. And I remember, like, that was something. So my parents are, like, huge comedy heads. And they loved watching, like, MTV, like, skits growing up. And – There would be, like, these skits where, like, there'd be, like, that prototype of, like, that dumb person, like, working in the mall that's, like, hot. And the person being, like, hey, like, can you give me something? I don't know. And it's, like, they're just, like, fucking hot. (laughs) And that's where it comes from. Like, Abercrombie and Fitch, like, people going in and being hired, like, hot, quote, unquote, people, like, white skinny people, barely knowing any inventory because they never go back there. I think also (laughs) in the documentary, they they, like, emphasize that they were supposed to kind of be nonchalant, especially to people who didn't seem conventionally attractive. So they would just, like, hang out and act almost rude. And, yeah, there really is, like, this fascination with this, like, almost, like, aspirational aspect. But I think because they were in the mall, they seemed relatable for whatever reason. Like, that's what cool kids always are. I mean, I still don't think that kind of archetype has left – he I was. talked about this with Ashton, but that's also why I think Emma Chamberlain's famous. But I'm not even getting into that because that's, something, I, that's uh, another podcast episode. We were having Emma Chamberlain. Wait, tell me.
1: The DMs, the DMs, well, the thing is, Gala. what?
0: Yeah, so this is also the thing. So Emma Chamberlain, to me, I think is genuinely going to be like also our version of maybe like an Amanda Bynes, or because I don't think yeah. that like a lot of young girls, other than Olivia Rodrigo. Our teen actresses, like when we were coming up, it was like there was Miley, there was Taylor, there was, you know, there was Selena, there was Demi, and they were all dating Jonas Brothers. And then there was like, you know, you only really knew what was going on when you bought the little magazine. Emma Chamberlain capitalized on being this really relatable girl that people were like, oh my God, she doesn't wear makeup. She doesn't shower, allegedly. And she... She's clinically
1: depressed. She's clinically clinically depressed.
0: depressed. You know, she just like loves making bagels. But the thing about Emma Chamberlain is, like, Emma Chamberlain is very thin, very white, and also lives in a mansion in LA. And there's nothing about that that's relatable. Even when she was younger, and I remember watching her vlogs and being like, when I was 16, like, I could not drive. None of my friends could drive. We live in Canada, so it's different. But even if they could, like, they don't have access to a car like that. So clearly she either has a car, her parents have two cars. Right. She's, you know, she has the money as a 16 year old to keep getting these almond milk lattes. Like something (laughs) is like disconnecting. Like, you know, like clearly she's like,
2: she has substitute the milk money. She has
0: substitute milk money. She like, there's a discrepancy financially where like I, my friends who were working at McDonald's, you know, we didn't have, first of all, someone had to, we have take the, the bus. You know, this girl was never taking the bus.
2: Right. And so she very much.
0: Yeah. She very much like capitalizes on being white, relatable, and aspirational. Like she gives, like, I'm just like you guys, but it's like, you're absolutely not like any of us. Like, you're absolutely not like any of us. Like, there is no one who can effortlessly just like, for what I'm assuming, be your size and let's say like a super high metabolism. So a bunch of the teenage girls are like, I'm so pretty. She's so skinny. And Like, be as wealthy as you.
2: Right. Well, and I feel like, like, what totally fuels that, too, of, like, that line between, like, being aspirational, but then also being relatable or, like, almost seeming attainable is, like, fueled by influencers. Because, like, we didn't used to have that. But now it's, like, it's, like, that whole discourse of, like, are influencers, like, celebrities? Like, obviously, like, Emma Chamberlain, like, you'd be, like, hey, she is, like, a celebrity. Like, if people, like, see her out, like, they know her. But it's, like, a different kind of celebrity because like what celebrities vlogging their daily life and putting it on the internet like none because they're like we don't actually know anything about like those like traditional like what we think is to be celebrities so I feel like even though it's like she would be like on the more famous end of being an influencer like obviously because she's like well-known has like followings on like all platforms it's like even though like and obviously it's like different than like the people working in like Abercrombie because that is like okay I might go to high school with you but it's like still like it's it's that like weird line of like yeah like just like that aspirational but also like somehow attainable like even if it's not like it somehow feels like it could be so that's like a really interesting thing with like influencer culture
0: yeah no like to me emma chamberlain despite not being a musician is what gave is what taylor swift gave when i was younger like people just felt like she was the girl next door and i think gen z's like we're not as into like maybe that innocent vibe that Brittany and Taylor were giving. Like right. we like someone who's a little kind of rough around the edges. Like a little edgy, like a little- A little something. edgy because, you know, Emma Chamberlain swears she doesn't wear makeup, but she also doesn't really talk about anything graphic. She never discloses who she's dating. Right. She's never, like she's not Tana Mongeau. Like she's not- Yeah. She's not ever wearing anything that revealing. And then she's like lending these like Louis Vuitton deals. So she's like this right. very cute, aspirational girl next door. Like and then she's like at the mat. Like it's like. Yeah,
1: mat. I think it's it's interesting too, like with the Abercrombie uh documentary, how like the mall was such an important like cultural centerpiece of like that time. Even yeah. when I was like in late elementary school, like maybe like when I was in grade like six, seven, eight, we would go to the mall and just like hang out. And that was like normal. Like you would just go to the mall, yeah. you would hang out with your friends. Most malls have a movie theater in them. And it's like the mall being the center of like all culture and like the meeting place, it makes it so that like these ideals are almost like inescapable. And it's like just the way that we consumed media back then. Like it was, I guess the internet still like it started, but it wasn't like social media had taken off in the way that it has now. And so like, I, I feel like in the early 2000s when I was going on the internet, it was literally just to play like games. Um, I right. wasn't like, you know, I wasn't old enough to like have a MySpace page or anything. So I didn't really get onto to social media and probably until like 2009, 2010. Um, and so back then it was like I was getting all my cultural information from like film and from like magazines and TV shows. Whereas now it's like in today's culture, you can kind of like you can tailor your algorithm to feed you content that you like. Like when I go on my TikTok, it's not like I'm really seeing like thinspo Or like, really really thin bodies. I see actually like a lot of plus size bodies, which like it helps you so much to like understand your place in the world and like see other people that look like you. But it's like back then, like they didn't have that like and especially like when I think about millennials and people that were like teenagers during this time, it was like, there was no visibility for you like at all.
2: Right. I was like totally talking to my mom. Again, shout out mom. She's watching the documentary with me. But um like because she was like I was like, Mom, we're saying now we're watching this, because like, she literally used to love like Averrow all Holland. Um like I'm dead. But um I was like saying to her when they were talking about the mall thing and like the whole mall culture, like I literally was like, Yeah, like who even hangs out at the mall anymore? And she was saying it was the same even with her growing up. Like it was always like they would go to the mall to like meet cute boys and like to do like whatever, like you would spend the day like at the mall. But then it's interesting because that's also like totally depends on where you live too, because she kind of grew up like in Scarborough. So it's like, yeah, malls all the time. Like you're at like Scarborough town center or whatever. But then she moved to Grand Bend and people would be like, oh, like what did you guys like do for fun? And she'd be like, we'd go to the mall and they'd be like, what? Like, you know what I mean? And then like, I grew up like in a small town. So like our mall was like a Dollarama and like we had Nardine, <laughs> yes. shout out. Um, but like now it's a union gas like there's literally like no So like I people were like oh what did you do like up, maybe like go to Walmart like because there's like nothing else to do so that's just interesting too how like it depends on where you live but that is like what they said in the documentary like that's where you get all your like fashion info like that's where you would like meet like friends meet like partners like meet like everything like that literally was like life like entertainment like everything but then you're Mm -hmm. so right that with like access to social media like You just see so much more because I feel like the same with the way that the algorithm is like, you know, catered to you. Like TikTok really made me realize like, oh my God, like things that I never thought that I would wear just because I was like, this like wouldn't work with my body type or like I just like wouldn't like, because I've been on this whole thing of like, I have like relinquished the whole idea of like flattering clothing. Like I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like I'm like, I do not care. Like I, like if I like something, I'm just going to wear it. But I feel like that was like TikTok for me because then. I started seeing like girls with like either like similar body types or even like not even just like totally similar but just like different but not just like what you were always seeing and like for example when you walked into an Abercrombie and like I'd be like oh my god I love how this looks on her like I would so wear that and like mm-hmm. I feel like I could feel good in that but like I never it's like things you never would have even considered before because it felt like out of reach because it was like oh like that's like wouldn't work for me or like that wouldn't be like flattering on me and it's like that's what we all made up so <laughs>
0: That's so interesting because for me, I'm on the side of TikTok where it's like, well, I try really hard to be on the side of TikTok where it's not even like fashion. It's literally just supposed to be jokes. Like my TikTok for you page is like basically just like black comedy TikTok. But of course, like because of the content that I do sometimes like and I follow certain people that I know like in real life, I do end up like seeing fashion TikTok and Now, especially with, like, the resurgence of, like, Y2K, I find it really interesting that skinnier bodies seem to be, like, more glorified on my end. Like, when I was growing up on Tumblr in, like, 2014, I was also growing up on, like, feminist Tumblr, so I know there was, like, the thigh gap side of Tumblr and things like that, Mm. but it just seemed like people, because people could also, like, write in their blog, there seemed to be, like, these more, like, critical thoughts around, like, You know, people would share, like, their experiences, but they'd also, like, share, like, propaganda around, like, their own eating disorders and things like that. And so, unlike TikTok, they're not sharing that kind of propaganda that Tumblr was, especially for, like, pro-anna blogs and things like that. It's weird to see, like, okay, like, all the fashion girlies were wearing low-rise jeans. All the fashion girlies were getting Y2K. But I... I'm seeing more and more as time goes on, only thin bodies, whereas like in 2020, when like low rise jeans started to kind of get popular, people were like going viral for wearing low rise jeans and not being like stick thin. Like that's literally how Sienna right. May got famous. Like she would literally oh God, just be Sienna like, oh my God, May. guys, like, my stomach oh jiggles. My yeah. And people really, really loved that. But as like, yeah. you no, know, now Garage is selling low rise jeans, so low rise jeans are now entering the mall um in a way that's like trendy and not so much like passé. Right. I'm seeing like the attitudes around low-rise jeans and Y2K fashion kind of resurface. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as like TikTok can be like a positive thing, it's obvious that like through who gets famous and who gets viral, it's clearly at its core not something that's like absolutely uh inclusive. Like people who get famous and tend to go viral sure. are still either like really rich like, obviously, we're, mm-hmm. like, white or thin. Um, and I think the thing about Y2K fashion also is, as we know, like, we were in the malls in the early 2000s. And although, like, it was, like, kind of, like, later, like, 2009, 2010, people in the early 2000s didn't really dress like Paris Hilton on that every day. Like, people did not dress no. like these Paris Hilton – or, like, this, like, Destiny's Child in sko for Y2K, like what we're sharing – People right. usually kind of looked awkward. Like people were wearing like res <laughs> jeans that like felt awkward, and like a weird Abercrombie shirt, and like foundation, just mascara, nothing else. Yeah. And oh so, my God. an era. An era. And so, I guess I'm scared now that with Y2K coming back, like the toxicity that might come with the attitudes that Y2K had, whether it be yeah. like the racist ideals, or like if anybody's watched Friends, or literally white chicks. You know that those girls cared – that whole bit – like, the whole joke was that they were – had eating disorders. And so that kind of coming back. And I guess, like, what do we think about Y2K becoming the norm core as it's kind of leaving this internet culture? It's becoming what people see, like, on the streets in a way that's kind of, like, glorified.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, if you think about the culture of the time, like, in what was on TV and what was in film and stuff, it was, like, Weight Watchers was everywhere. The Biggest Loser mm. was on TV. Imagine if The Biggest Loser aired today. People would <laughs> literally be screaming Lose and crying. Minds. yeah, Because it was so fat phobic, And it was also, like, there was a huge element of public shame attached to it. Right. I think that, like, where the, the body positivity, the body neutrality, or, like, the fat liberation movements are today and kind of just like the ideals around body types like I don't I don't know that we'll get to the point where it was in the early 2000s where you would like literally watch like Sex in the City like do you remember like the Sex in the City movie where there was like an entire bit about Samantha gaining five pounds and it was like Mm. in what world would you notice five pounds of weight gain on someone but it was because it was the early 2000s she was wearing low-rise jeans so you could see like her weight gain very visibly and it was like an it was the biggest deal but because like, like the fashion um, of the early 2000s was like, it was like very basic fashion. Like it was a low rise jean. It was a baby tee. It like the accessory was like your body. It was your stomach. Right. It, was, it was like the flat stomach and a low rise jeans. Right. So
2: yes, like skinny is an accessory.
1: Yeah, like, that is, like, the fashion statement, because, like, you were saying, Lydia, it's, like, yeah, we had, like, these really crazy looks and these futuristic looks, but that wasn't what people were really technically, like, wearing on the street or wearing on the day-to-day. It was, like, the low-rise jeans, the crop baby tees, and, like, yeah, like, their body as, like, the main point of of their outfit.
2: Yeah, and I feel like the same way that fashion trend cycles, just like, always come back, like, like, we're literally talking about, like, you know, things that you thought you'd, like, never wear like, ever, like, then you're, like, oh my god, no, wait, like, it's, gonna like, kind of, I'm obsessed with it now, like, the same way that fashion trends come back, like, it's the same with body trends, and they, like, correspond mm-hmm. with the fashion, and so, like, that is honestly terrifying, especially for, like, that era, but then what I think is interesting, like, Lydia, when you are talking about, like, what we see about it on TikTok now, and it especially, like, compared kind of, like, to Tumblr, like, in that time, is, like, I honestly feel like TikTok is, like, split, but in a weird way that, like, we don't, like, they don't even realize it, like, it's, like, You couldn't have that kind of, like, pro-anna, like, discourse on TikTok because even when people, like, can sense even, like, the tiniest bit of that, like, the comments are, like, flooded with hate of, like, do not promote this, like, blah, 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 and, like, people are just, like, way more open about, like, struggling with eating disorders or, like, being, like, you know, even the whole idea of, like, body checking and just, like, all of that, like, I feel like it's actually talked about now, so when people try to pull stuff like that, like, they are called out, like, basically immediately But then at the same time, when you see people like trigger warning, CNMA, like coming and becoming like the, (laughs) like the face of like the body positivity movement. And it's like, babe, you're like probably a size six, if even. Mm -hmm. And then so it's that whole thing of like, Oh my God, just because she's not like a size zero, like, Oh my God, like we can love our bodies now. And it's like, like, I mean, that's a whole other like topic of like, like who needs to be like represented in like the body positivity movement, but it's like, the you're not even like making the right people like obviously like, at the forefront of anything and so it's just like this weird thing where it's like yeah let's be potty positive but like only if you can still fit into like arisia clothing like it's just so weird like I don't know but mm-hmm. I do think it is scary how people will just for like the look of like the y 2 and I just like I don't know if I've ever noticed like resurgence come back like so big as this one because it's just like everyone's doing it in a different way like you can do the really kind of like gaudy like super like over accessorized like vibe of like Y2K or it can be like the simple like low-rise jean and like the crop top like hitting right under your belly button kind of vibe like there's so many different ways to do it and so people are able to cater that to like their own personal aesthetic and kind of like mix in it's not like everyone's like Even though it's obviously all the same vibe, like, not everyone's, like, wearing the same outfit. Like, you can do it so many ways. But at the same time, it's just, like, it still is, like, that skinniness, like, is an accessory. And, like, that's just so honestly terrifying. Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, like, you see it in kind of, like, our cultural icons or people who look, someone that people look to for, like, fashion inspiration, like a Kim Kardashian Who like literally just like reversed her BBL.
0: And at the Met Gala
1: was literally talking about how she lost like sixteen pounds in three weeks. Oh my god. And it's like something's brewing. Like, something's coming with the Kardashians because it's, like... A
0: storm is coming. uh, A storm is
1: brewing. Like, literally.
0: Yeah, it is. And you can even tell with, like, who they're dating. Like, now that Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox are back, like, white guys that, like, have bleach hair and, like, a bunch of tattoos are back. The Chad (laughs) Michael Murrays are back. Like, the fact that everybody who's... Even Bella Hadid. The fact that Bella Hadid was dating the weekend. Not that Bella Hadid. I think... Seem to have her have like a black male fetishization thing. I think the weekend was kind of like a fluke, but even she is dating like a shaved head white guy, and that would be absolutely unheard of in 2016. Yeah, that would be absolutely unheard of in 2016 or 2015. Like that was the peak of Kanye and Kim, and even Kanye dating Julia Fox is such an early 2000s move because. Since when has any black rapper in the past five to six years claimed a thin bodied white woman that wears rise jeans? <laughs> like hey. actually I can't think of one. It's just because the early two thousands are back and that's gonna right. be cool now.
2: Oh my god, that's so crazy when you think about how like it's just so much deeper than like the fashion. Like I mean obviously, but it's just, like when you literally think about how it's like like embedded in like everything that we do, like people's relationships, like how people are interacting, like that's crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah another thing I actually want to talk about too and it also realized kind of to the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary um and I guess like kind of a criticism also the more I deep dived into Y2K and I think with the internet everything always bleeds and everything understanding where it comes from what is always going to be difficult because especially with the early 2000s um there wasn't much internet so right. when we're looking at photos it's mostly just like References of red carpets, you know, we didn't really see much of, like, celebrities as personal selfies other than, like, the Paris Hilton documentary or, like, random Facebook posts, if we can find any. Um, But I think one of the biggest criticisms I found from, like, fashion bloggers is that a lot of times, especially with, like, gaudier looks of the Y2K, that was, like, often normalized by, like, a lot of, like, Black people. But then we kind of sensationalize like, these – white red carpet look so for example with like Lil mama or Lil kim when she has like that purple um outfit where she wears like that purple nipple patch and she's that purple wig miley and like a multiple people have kind of recreated those looks when at the time those were really criticized and now because black culture is like bled into our everyday culture back then mm-hmm. it was like white culture was like at its forefront and what i also read into was that like because 9-11 happened in 2001 this resurgence of like American propaganda and like nationalism really rose. And that's why Abercrombie Hollister and Tommy Hilfiger all thrived. And you'll see like Destiny's Child wearing like American flags and, you know, RuPaul wearing the American flags and um, this kind of like all American girl aesthetic kind of being the it. Because in that era where like it might have been really insensitive to be extremely like happy because this like extremely traumatic thing happened, it was okay to be like this all American. Girl, And I think Paris Hilton being the it girl like really shows true to that because she really encompassed a lot of like American values.
2: Yeah. And that's so crazy because you think now like I feel like people really try to avoid that like okay like example like I was like on the block like the other day and I was like I was looking for like a bomber jacket like a big oversized kind of like varsity style jacket. Found a cute one, like turn it around, huge like USA flag on the back. I'm like immediately no, like you don't know I even mean? like no one's like trying to wrap that now. Like it's just like that's just like a bad look. Like not even like Canadian flag, not that they put that on anything, but just like it's just like ooh, like you know. So that's so interesting to think about that and how that ties into the time period and how like now like even though that look is like coming back, because I feel like that whole like idea of like the explicit like nationalism of like the flag is like everyone's just like no, like well, let's like not add that back in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, like, the preppiness of it all, like, very much Abercrombie and, like, Hollister and, like, mm-hmm. everyday wear, um. whereas, like, the gaudier clothes and, like, this, like, almost, like, video vixen era is, like – I think it's coming back a lot in TikTok, but I think at the time, like, that wasn't even really seen – I mean, it was seen as Y2K, but I think, you know, when my family, like, came to Canada and they were living in the 2000s, they weren't watching Friends. They weren't watching – you know, sex in the city, they were watching like the BT awards. And I think that stayed true to like what black Americans are wearing versus like white Americans. And I do think that a lot of black female Y2K styles are back. Because I think that we've normalized kind of that mixture, whereas like a lot of blackmail trends specifically for Y2K, I can't imagine coming back because they were so mm. demonized when it was the early 2000s and like there were like a lot of laws and, you know, you couldn't get into a club, you couldn't go right. to, they would send you home from school if your pants were sagging. So Black men and, like, anyways, like, POC men, period. Like, no brown men, no Asian men to be seen in the early 2000s. They don't exist. Um, we're so demonized that they were just, like, erased. And so that can't come back because it there's, like, so – there's so few documentation of it being praised unlike white and kind of Black video vixens of the early 2000s.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's just, like, also the fact that, like – a lot of these aesthetics were popularized by black people, but then people associate them with white people. Like, for example, yes. like the velour track suit, it's like that was popularized by artists like salt pepper and people like that. Whereas like people associate that now with like a Paris Hilton, like the Juicy Couture um, sweatsuits, like even like bucket hats, like Air Force Ones, like Nelly literally did that.
0: You know they don't really get
1: the the recognition that like that's where those trends began. But yeah, like I agree with you, Lydia. There there is that like erasure of of black men in like this era because they were so like demonized.
2: Yeah, that's so interesting because I actually never even really thought like about that or even like more generally like guys in like Y two like in general. Like I think just because I'm like thinking about like what I'm wearing and like you know what's going on like my TikTok like for you page but because you would, like, have to consider, like, all the things that would come back with that, and how that's just, like, not, not only is there, like, not, like, the documentation of it, but it's, like, the messaging that it was, like, and how it was, like, taken up then, like, that, like, resurging now would be, like, no, But then at the same time, it's, like, why is it, like, why are these people then being excluded from, like, this resurgence of, like, these trends like,
0: yeah, because so much so much of what black men were wearing then were just criticized as, like, violence. And so right. even when the the 2000s are coming back, I was like, oh, I can't wait for men to start wearing these XL shirts and, like, baggy pants. But it's just, it's not going to happen. Right, um, like, we're not being be- it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not even among, like, fashion guys.
2: Um, right.
0: They're just going to keep going forward as far as, like, I think with, like, this kind of, like, futuristic, almost, like, gender-bending fashion, which seems like it's happening because, like, there's so much negativity tied to, um, especially black male fashion. And, you know, obviously, as we all know, Kanye had such a huge impact on fashion in general, but black fashion um, Mm -hmm. within, like, the 2010s. And seeing him, you know, have this episode and kind of not be – I don't want to say – he's obviously extremely important, but I don't know how – Serious people are going to take him going forward, right? Um, as far as like his impact with fashion and art, I think people are kind of moving forward with like again, like the way people are dating that has impact. And so, Kim moving on to P. Davidson and all these like it girls dating these like white guys that are very thin and shaved head or short hair, tattoos. Those are going to be the guys that girls are going to want to date. Going forward, these it girls and who they are going to look to as like cool and fashionable because they see these it girls dating these cool and fashionable guys.
2: Oh my god, yeah, that's so weird to see like change. Like we just like the wheels are spinning. Like,
0: yeah, the early two thousands are definitely back. My biggest fear is definitely that like, regardless of the fashion movement, just because low jeans and the way that fashion looks is like I have I tried really hard. I'm not going to lie to you just in preparation for the retweet post to find Y2K and so of like low rise jeans on someone who's bigger and it just doesn't exist and when I say bigger I don't even just mean someone who's plus size I mean someone who's like literally just not Kate Moss so yeah and like even with garage and things like that like I just don't know if 12 year old girls have the education or the platforms despite being on social media like there's so many pockets on social media that I just don't know if they have the education that when they go to garage and they see every single model look a certain way, uh, if they're going to understand that like they can wear low-rise jeans and a baby tee despite not having a flat stomach.
1: It's almost like as a woman, you literally can't win because if you do wear low-rise jeans you will get made fun of if you're not like a size zero. But then when you wear high-waisted jeans, men will literally make fun of you and be like, oh, she's tucking the fupa into the high-waisted jeans. So it's like, you literally can't win when, like, criticism is just, like, based in misogyny and, like, the hatred of, like, literally anything a woman can do. Yeah, and
2: I was just gonna say, too, I feel like, in general just because I'm such a Pinterest bitch and, like, I just love, like, getting on there for info. Like, I think it's actually, like, a problem at this point. Like, as you like, literally my entire room is covered in pictures I printed out from Pinterest um but like even just like when I'm scrolling on there for you know info whatever and it's like YGK fashion like I'm just seeing like the same types of people over and over like same font like same person different fonts that the same, yeah like and so it's like literally like you were saying like you're not even able to find like anyone above like a size zero in like low-rise jeans like from that time period like, I'm only seeing, like, white girls, like, on the red right cover, like, exactly, like, those pictures, and it's, like, we know that these people did not create these trends, like, we know that they're not doing it first, and so, like, why is that, like, all that successful to us when we're, like, looking back, like, and trying to get, like, that info, like, where, where are the people that literally started this movement, like, not even just, like, on the internet, but even just, like, in, like, when we're thinking about it, like, exactly, like, when you're thinking, okay, who's, like, Y2K icon, like, Paris Hilton, Like, okay, but who else? Like, it's just so insane to, like, literally just, like, have that taken and just, like, so co-opted to the point where people don't even know, like, where this comes from.
0: Yeah, well, I think also a lot of inspiration, I think, comes from, like, especially Black sex workers, but in general, that's just the case for fashion. And especially during that time, and I remember this, because obviously I went to school with a lot of, like, white French people, was like rap at that time I genuinely believe before like 2010 it was so normal for people to just be like oh that noise like you know you listen to that crap like it was just like that was the attitude around rap and hip-hop if you weren't black and so there's rarely any and so that I think floats around like mainstream internet around like black video vixens mm-hmm. because black people were ingesting that but I think it was just seen as like more of an oppressive thing. It was like, oh, they're, you know, if they're being objectified. They're in these rap videos. They're putting money on the video vix. and we barely see your face. And she's just like, you know, she's doing whatever. When like, I don't, you know, Christina Aguilar literally went by ex-Tina and she was in mainstream culture. Like that was normal. Like we all were like, oh yeah, ex-Tina's like going down the carpet in her dirty era. Like we just didn't care. Whereas for black people, if you are over-sexualized, it just seemed like almost pity. It was just like, you know, you're, you're, you are a bad guy. Like you are the bad guy. And I think racism was just so, was so much more obvious. And again, that reigns so true to the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary. And something that a lot of people I don't think understand when they aren't people who like clothes or maybe style is that like style isn't just clothes. It really is such, it's such a look into political and social understanding. And what you wear oftentimes shows your political standing, your economic standing. It shows you where you can go, you know what social circles you run into, things like that. And to ignore that fact is like to ignore kind of like what attitudes are going to come back. And so that's why right. sometimes I don't almost buy when Y2K is coming back into the mainstream that those attitudes won't come back in some ways.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. And I think like, like these attitudes were different in like the white community and the black community, because I don't think there was necessarily like the push in the black community to be like the size zero heroin chic, girly. Like I think by white people's standards at that time, even Beyonce was fat, but like in the black community, she was like a cultural icon and she was, you know, deemed as beautiful. So I think it just like, it's interesting how, like, when you look at the history, how fatness becomes associated with blackness and There's this book by a sociologist named Sabrina Strings called *Fearing the Black Body*, mm. and it's a banger. She talks about how just oh basically God, yeah. like the origins of fat phobia are just like racism and like the rise of uh, the Protestant Church, and then also like the trans transatlantic slave trade, uh, and basically talks about how like black people were seen as like these sexual beings, these people who like loved like they were gluttonous, they loved sex and food, and like this was like the ideal that was associated with fatness. So then in a way to distance themselves from these traits, white people began to like really prize slenderness and like diet culture became um, really, really big. And that's kind of how it translated into this like ideal of a white thin woman being like the face of femininity. We can't ignore like the, the intersection of like how this trend plays out differently within different racial groups.
2: Yeah. I did a whole presentation in one of my women's studies classes, Um, first semester of this year on a podcast um, by Sabrina Strings like she was someone was like interviewing her and she was like talking about her book and it was I had you like a or like yeah I like chose that podcast and I did like a I don't know like an hour-long like seminar presentation on it and it was just like like I remember because I also took like a gender and fashion class and um, we kind of like talked about like you know like the trends like throughout history and stuff and also like the body type. And I just, like, remember, like, I was, like, making connections between that when I was, like, talking about, like, the racist origins of fat phobia and then into, like, from that other took in second year where, you know, back in, like, renaissance times, it was, like, like, women, like, you were supposed to be fat, like, being fat was good because it showed that you had money, you were wealthy, you could afford to eat, like, you weren't starving, you weren't poor, and then just how that, like, changes, and then so, the whole, like, the history with, like, Sarah Bartman, and, like, being, you know, paraded around Europe, um just because of her body, and, like, it was, like, literally, like, like, she was literally used as, like, a freak show, like, it's just, like, it's so insane, and I feel like so many people don't actually, like, ever look into or, like, understand, like, the histories behind that.
1: Yeah. But, yeah,
2: like, like, you were saying, it's that whole idea that, like, you know, um Black people were, like, indulgent, and, like, didn't have, like, the self-control to, like, um, you know, maintain like a slim body. And then so for like in efforts for like white people, like you said, like to like distance themselves from that, it was like, well, we have that self control. Like we can we can do this and this is what makes us like superior, like as a way. Because I remember too, like when I did the podcast or when I was like doing the presentation on the podcast, it was also like at that time where there were a lot more like mixed race families and things like happening. And so it was like that fear from white people being like how like how are we now able to like distinguish like what is going on like you know where like at one point it was like okay you're black or you're white but now it's like okay well what if there's like this spectrum and how can we like make ourselves still superior like and it's honestly just mind-blowing like the history behind it and how you think okay that's so long ago but it's like you still see that in so many things today and like people just don't even know it because they don't even know where it came from
1: and I feel like before reading the book like I didn't really think about how body types cycle through trends and how exhausting that can be because it's like if I was born in the 50s like I would literally be thriving like I would be the Marilyn Monroe queen body type that was like back then and it's like you can't like you can't change your body type right so it's like it's so exhausting to see trend like body trends change within your lifetime in such a drastic way when you're like an adult that has critical thinking skills that can see what's going on um because yeah like again especially when like kim kardashian took out her butt implants i was like there's like something's 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 up like something's gonna shift because it's like well, what happens to all those women that now like have BBLs or like whatever? Like, what? How is this going to change things for people?
0: Yeah, it's it's over for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw a clip on TikTok the other day too from like um like Stassi, like as like Kylie Jenner's like best friend or whatever. I don't even yeah. know like her her last name, but I'm like in my head, I'm like Stassi baby because that like used to be her eye or whatever. But because like everyone says like you know her body and like Kylie Jenner's body is like. The same, like they have the same surgeon, like whatever it is. And she was like on a podcast saying something about, you know, like now, okay, because someone asked her if she had butt implants, and she was like, no, like I only have implants like in my boobs. Um, and then like, I think she's like filler in her face, so like whatever. And so, but she kind of like danced around the question of basically it was like, hey, she had like a BBL because it was like it's not an implant, it was like a, like it's like natural, like it's not that you know transfer. whatever. Yeah, like it's like oh, it's my oh, it's from my own body, like whatever, whatever but she was like kind of saying like yeah I'm kind of like not into that as much now though like I'm trying to see like like I think the person interviewed oh my god I think this was a clip from call her daddy and I literally pressed the thing and I was like not interested because I was like I don't want to see somebody for you page but like I watched it because I was like oh my god okay like what like not the episode but the TikTok <laughs> for clarification um but I think like the girl I don't know her name but the girl that hosts call her daddy like um Alex that's Alex okay so I'm like I know there used to be two but now it's one I don't remember which one is the one that's still on it but like um, okay so Alex she was like oh so we're doing like natural sauce like whatever and like sauce so is literally like yeah well like it's a little too late but like I'm trying like because it's like what do you do like you like it, you've done it like you know what I mean like it's just like that's so insane and then like the comments are people being like yeah like everyone wanting to like reverse like their surgery because we're like out of this era now. Like that's just so crazy because it seems like such like permanent decision. And I'm like pro surgery, like do whatever you want. Like I'm totally like, you know, like no surgery shaming. But it's just like interesting how like I feel like myself like I'm such an indecisive person and I'll love something one day and then I'm like I hate this like a month later and that's why I'm so scared to get a tattoo. But then I think about that in terms of like surgeries and stuff and like, oh my God, like imagine you like make this like completely like alter like body altering like thing and then you're like, wait, I don't want it anymore. Like mm-hmm. But like in terms of like it being like with the trend cycle. Like
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well yeah, even culturally though, but yeah, definitely with the trends though still, because I mentioned this in the podcast before, but I like grew up like in a white French school, but I also grew up like really religious. And like in the white Christian church, you also like the ideal, at least in my head, was to be very skinny. And it literally was not until I was in university until I was in university, until I even heard men being attracted to, like, thick women. Like, I had no idea that was a concept. And it was, like, such a shift for me, because I was, like, oh my god, like, I, like, spent my whole entire life being told that, like, no, skinnier is better, like, skinnier is hotter. Um, and then there was, like, this big shift. I mean, I guess, like, non-university, yeah. Well, in university, I heard it, like, for the first time, audibly, but I, I saw that the ads were changing, like, by 2015-ish. But it is really insane how like things change so dramatically and the people who like when I when Dean and I were in university no one that I knew had a BBL it was just like their natural bodies being praised and at the time I thought it was actually a really positive thing because I remember feeling like oh I'm not thin enough for like these white people but then I basically switched social groups and like time has gone on and now I'm like extremely thin in this like context and then now that it's back it is really weird it just feels like you can't win especially as a woman because at the end of the day like you can talk about how maybe the Abercrombie and Fitch models hurt your feelings but it's not the pressure's not there for men like it just isn't I really don't believe I agree uh being a woman is hard yeah like men just
1: like turn into gym rats and are like orthorexic and like brown rice and chicken and boiled oh broccoli for every meal yeah. and be like like making a fitness account like that's kind of how men cope I think it's obviously still disordered
2: yeah but I feel like it's also just like less because it's like for like a lot of that whole idea of like fat phobia and like needing to be skinny like pressure for women is like it's like like, it is through the male gaze. I think it's through, like, everyone's gaze, but it also is, like, very much like that male gaze thing, too, which, like, just for men, that's, like, not applicable because it's not, like, you're fitting in. Like, it's, like, for men, it's also the male gaze. Like, it's not even, like, for, like, yeah, like exactly. Women. It's not, like, women are, like, I'm not going to date you because you're, I mean, it's not, like, whatever, like, that's a generalization. but, like, it's not, like, the same. So I think
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's just, like, and, like, Dina was saying earlier, like, it's just, like, as a woman, like, everything you do, like, it's, like, anything you do is going to be picked apart so you like literally looks like a lose-lose situation but for men it's like not the same thing like yeah obviously there's still like fat phobia and you can still be um you know like scrutinized for your weight and whatever it is and feel pressure but it's just different because in general like as a person like you're not being constantly criticized like for every little thing you do but like for women this is just like one of like a million other things that Mm -hmm. you're constantly criticized for so it's like
0: yeah exactly so i feel like even just like a conclusion like i just feel like at first i was like oh my goodness i'm scared but now i'm realizing like it has nothing to do with low-rise jeans because or <laughs> low-rise anything because they look good like they actually look good on anybody because i've been seeing yeah certain people who like you know influencers or whoever like on the internet wear them that are like either plus size or bad or medium girls or whatever it's really just like the attitude and like the pressure that came with being low-rise because I think for the early 2000s those like that Y2K style like as much as it was or it could get gaudy especially in terms of like everyday style when it was pretty preppy and pretty norm core. those types of fashions weren't for to draw attention to you it was very much mm-hmm. to instill that body and like racist ideal. like that was just like what they wanted to push I think going forward I hope that it's not about the item of clothing. It really is just, like, the social attitude. And I hope we change it, honestly. I hope the girls become more body positive. And I, I hope we
2: can, like, make this, like, resurgence of Y2K be like, okay, but we're doing Y2K, but, like, way better this time. Like, maybe we can, like, guys, let's do this. We have the power.
0: <laughs> Retweet's taking on Y2K. <laughs>
2: yeah. Retweet is canceling fat phobia in Y2K.
1: But it's crazy, too, because it's, like, we can like want to do this but then also like tiktok literally like hates fat people and will like take down people's videos for violating community guidelines when they're like
2: insane yeah
1: it's insane and it's like someone who's like dixie d'amelio could post or whatever charlie could post like in her bikini and that's fine but if anyone above like a size like 12 probably tries to post the same thing they get taken down for violating community guidelines it's really fucked up
0: i know and that's why like that's why tiktok to me it's scarier than when we grew up on tumblr because tumblr was relatively anonymous for the most part because you could kind of hide behind an abbey you didn't have to post yourself um although it was just like basically reposting like advertisements and like photos of like skinny models but i fear that like younger people especially that are nine, 10, 11, they they have the pressure to show up like that for themselves. They can't just be interested in those things and aspire to have those things. They have to show up like that. When I was younger, you know, reblogging a thigh gap, it was like aspirational and it was something that I knew commonly like among my group would get reblogs and shares and get clout in that way. And I could see the following. But to then have this pressure to be as good looking as the advertisements and that's where the early 2000s I think there's that discrepancy with the resurgence is that although there was a lot of fat phobia, but yeah like in real life there was less posting online and like there was less people who had access to you right so when you see the so when you see the girl next door, like Emma Chamberlain, who's, you know, she's at, she goes to your high school and like, we all just like go to the school and she drives to school, but I take the bus. It's, it's messed up to see.
2: Well, that's the thing I think about TikTok too, is like TikTok is honestly terrifying because, okay, like, cause I just compared to Instagram cause I'm like way more like of an Instagram girl. Like, I mean, I like TikTok, but mostly for watching. I honestly find making TikTok is it's like so much work. It's literally not, but like, I just feel like I'm so like lazy to do it. Like Lydia, you're like the queen of TikTok over here, but like um and I feel like for me it's like I it, oh my god yeah that's so it's actually see we're cancelling TikTok we're cancelling TikTok in this podcast. guys petition um,
1: TikTok to give Lydia back her account
2: literally we're putting the GoFundMe
1: in the bio
0: um, <laughs> GoFundMe no, yeah you're right no the, <laughs> they need money
2: <laughs> bribe the, the, the bitches the, but the idea like the thing with TikTok is like Lydia like literally what you just said about people having like access to you is like Compared to Instagram, it's okay, anyone can see yourself on Instagram if you're public. But it's, like, the people seeing your stuff already follow you for the most part. TikTok is, like, anyone on the app can see you. If your content, like, in any way applies to them or fits in their algorithm or even doesn't, because I get, like, sometimes the most random shit show up on my free page and I'm like, what did I interact with, like, to make this show up? Like, I'm kind of scared. But, like, that's the thing is, like, and that's why I think there's so much more hate on TikTok because. It's not like people already, like, obviously, like, you can see, like, if you look through, like, your following page instead of your for you page, it's like the people that, you know, you're like wanting to see their content because you, like, have subscribed to their content. But it's like anyone can see your stuff without, like, wanting to. And then that just, like, gives them so much more power to, like, literally put whatever they want in the comments. And that's why it's, like, it's honestly scary. Like,
1: all right. Well, we have reached the end of the episode. We just want to say thank you to our queen Add, I Need My Roots Done.
2: Oh, my we'll God. It why, does it, down, why does it down feel link. like – I feel like that's, like, not me because it's my new identity. Like, I'm just, like – I know. I'm, like, who is you that? You haven't gotten used to
1: it. You're, I like, who
2: is are you talking about? I know. Well, thank you so much for having me. You guys are literally the coolest ever, but you knew that,
0: so. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> And thank you, I guess. But we did oh, not right, just truth. kidding. Also
2: though, I'm just saying like the the literal the retweet podcast, like sticker on the back of my laptop right now is screaming. Like the way I'm dead. like uh, I, when love it. I literally remember I got it at like that party at Filthy that you guys did. And oh yeah! So I remember. I, I remember. I went up to Lydia and I was like, "Oh my god! Like I love the playlist that you're playing right now." And you like sent me like the link to the playlist of like what you were playing at this. Like it was like that like space cowboy theme. Like I went with like Rasha and Lua yeah.
0: yeah, it was Dina's yeah. playlist.
1: I got a sticker and I've been a fan ever since.
2: So, well, we love to see it. It's like it's
1: the so fan cute. to Guest pipeline
0: literally literally i like i
1: infiltrated i infiltrated
0: amen that's the way to do it if you guys want to infiltrate our socials please do follow us on all <laughs> platforms if you don't and you're so leave fake. us a
1: review leave us a review like there has not been a review for like i swear to god like two years five leave us only. a review you can leave a five star review you can leave stars on spotify now and on apple oh. podcast you can actually like write stuff so, just go on there and just talk about how you love us. Only five stars. is completely yes. correct.
2: Especially this episode. Like, I'll definitely be giving it five <laughs> stars, obviously. So, we do allow internal reviews. So. Yes.
1: Okay. Of course. We love nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you guys. Kisses, taller bitches. Happy <laughs> Retweet Sunday. <laughs> Happy Retweet Sunday to those who celebrate. Bye. Bye.